I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's good, everybody? Happy Monday. Happy free agency week. It's not free agency the start day, but it's free agency week. We're getting there. It's coming closer. Let the wildness begin. As usual, for a Monday, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Greg Manakis, coming to you live from his new spot in Austin, Texas. What's popping, Greg? Oh man, I, I I haven't seen you in a while, bro. I didn't realize yeah, that. Did. Yeah, I didn't realize that you got this fresh haircut, rocking the glasses, just a whole new look for you. Um, I've been growing my hair out for quite some time now, so I got this like little '90s mid, part, you know, mid part going, trying to go for that yeah. like Leo uh, Matt Damon look, you know, from the '90s. Uh, I've got more NSYNC. <laughs> you do, you do kind of look a little bit NSYNC for sure. That's amazing. Oh uh, yeah, bro, I'm I'm good, dude. I'm good. The new house is great. Um, I I had a few people over, including Will, the other night just to grill out some food. Last night, my girlfriend, Danielle, who she's sleeping right now in the room next door, but um, her friends came over last night and we had some drinks, played some Settlers of Catan, and uh, I got to sleep around one o'clock last night, just staying up late, playing playing games, having fun. It's been really cool. First time homeowner. So it's been really cool for me just kind of experiencing all the emotions, just really trying to sink, let it sink in with me and uh, appreciate what's going on in my life. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of jealous, man. Like, uh, because I went freelance over here, I need two years tax returns before I can buy a crib. Oh, so, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and it's got to be four years as well, right? So it can't, like, I started freelancing halfway through a financial year. So that year in terms of mortgage applications just goes straight out the window. So this is year one of me. So mm-hmm. even though I can get, I've got the deposit now, I can't do nothing with it until like 2024. So I'm, I'm jealous that you're getting to go through it, but I'm also super happy for you, man, because the, it's one of those things where now every month when you make that payment, it's for, it's towards something for you, right? Rather than towards something for somebody else. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really cool feeling, man, to have that equity. And by the way, dude, we haven't gotten a chance to speak um, since you posted your article uh, about like why the Celtic season was so important for you. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, tell you I, I appreciated the words that you put in there and the time and energy that you put in there um to to go through what you went through over the last year and still put out the content that you did it was really cool being able to go through that experience with you because you and I had talked off air a little bit about you know some of the struggles you were going through but to see you actually open yourself up and be vulnerable with the Celtics blog nation and all of Celtics nation I thought was really cool man and I I, I appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability because I think a lot of times, especially for everybody on Twitter, they just see, you know, the content, they see the personality, they see the tweets, and they they kind of forget about the human being behind the yeah, words. Sure. And it, it was really cool for you to open yourself up like that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm not usually honest like that. Like I'm not open like that in in my in my personal life or on social media. I try to be more closed off. But do you know what? Like if I'm if I recall it was like mental men's mental health awareness month. Um, you know, I've been going through some struggles and I, like, you never know what your readers are going through, what the listeners are going through. Whatever. So just to put that out there, just kind of felt like one, it was, it was cathartic for me to be able to kind of look back and be like, yo, you know, this was, this was meant to be the best year of my life. Cause I'm living a dream, but it was also the hardest. So that made 
it felt like the perfect time. You know, the Celtics had just lost in the finals. So everybody was like in a doom and gloom. So I wouldn't be bringing anybody down by putting it out there. And then obviously speaking about stuff like that helps shine a light on. Yo, people are struggling, man. What you see on social media isn't what's going, isn't, it's a snapshot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, like, it was tough to write. It was definitely one of those where, like, it was against everything that I'm, I am as a person. Mm. But, um, yeah, man, I appreciate you. And you've been a big part of helping me through that, same as Will, same as a few other heads. So, uh, yeah, much love for that, man. I appreciate it. I have put out a bigger article since then about you Mr. J.D. Davison. That was some hard. That was a lot of work, bro. Yeah, dude. Let's start there. Um, you know, obviously we're we're kind of burying the lead here, but we're gonna talk about Jalen Brown <laughs> in a little bit. Um, but let's talk about that JD Davison article because you and I had um, you know, some exchanges in our self the the Celtics Legends chat about um what type of prospect we were getting in JD Davison. So tell everybody who didn't get a chance to read your article, what were your big picture takeaways about this man? Coming in right now, I have him listed as a G League bench guard. I don't think he's good enough to be a starting guard in the G League. I think he's extremely raw, like like ridiculously raw. Um, his turnovers are a huge issue for me in multiple different skill sets. In fact, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put them on the screen if I still have them because I used them the other day. Right, so turnovers as a pick and roll ball handler, 68 possessions, nine turnovers. That's a 13.2% turnover percentage on ball as a ball handler. In isolation, 50 possessions, 11 turnovers, a 22% turnover percentage. Catch and shoot, 47 possessions. He turned the ball over once, but again, you're just catching the ball and shooting it. So that's probably like, uh, you know, when Peyton Pritchard steps out of bounds, something similar. <laughs> well, for Peyton Pritchard, that's like 15% on catch and shoot. Yeah, dude, it's probably, yeah, it's probably more than that. Transition, 42 possessions, 11 turnovers, 26.1% turnover percentage. Catch and drive, 25 possessions, 7 turnovers, 28% turnover percentage. And then cuts. This is the worst one. It's As insane. A, as a cutter, he had 17 possessions where he received a ball while cutting. He turned it over 11 times. 64.7% of the time he was used as a cutter, he got pilfered or he turned so, the ball over. So what do you attribute that to? He's just His ball handling is just raw. He's very, um, he's very tunnel vision type of guy, you know? So like he struggles attacking people when they're in front of him. If he can get you on his hip, then he's so athletic and strong that he can get to the rim, right? Um, if he bully drives you, so that's where you kind of drive physically bang into the guy, turn it into like a post up while still driving and backing down, then he's going to be successful there too. But if you're in front of him and he has to try and take you off the dribble, he's super one-sided. It's like everything he does needs to be on the right-hand side of the floor. So if you hedge him left and then he's going to do everything he can to get right. And then the steals are just there, man. So I just think he's such a one-dimensional offensive player. It's really easy to to set traps. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can stay in front of him, hedge him left, know he's going to go right. The help can come over and then the turnovers are going to be there. Um, and I think that's where his biggest issue is at the minute. Like he can finish driving left, but he just doesn't do it. Yeah, it was interesting reading your article. Uh, obviously, you know, when I was responding to you, you were sending like very, very, very singular specific plays, clips. very specific <laughs> plays, right? So um, seeing the whole article and the whole picture that you painted of this prospect, I think was was good context. Um, so basically, if you read that article, which is on Celtics blog, Adam breaks down the strengths and weaknesses of J.D. Davison 
And the the one that stood out to me was the turnovers. That cut number is crazy, man. Six, 11 out of 17 on cuts. So to me, what that means is like when he's cutting, as you said, you refer to it as tunnel vision. Um, I would imagine that he more less than tunnel vision. He probably has like a blurred perception of what's yeah. happening around him because I, I get that. Like as I was a guard growing up, and then when I was asked to like go into the middle of the zone or cut and catch the ball in the middle of the zone without the ball in my hands, everything was moving very quickly for me. And it was kind of hard for me to get a sense for where everybody was on the court. Whereas if I had the ball at the top of the key and I was able to drive, I just knew where everybody was and that everything was in front of me versus like people are in the corner behind me. Some people are directly behind me. It's just a completely different view of things. So I get why that number would be higher, um, which is a little scary because um, if I'm comparing J.D. Davison to myself and my own basketball IQ, I don't think I have the IQ to be in the NBA. So that's a little scary for J.D. Davison. Maybe the uh, G League G League bench guy is, is uh, actually on par, on par with what we're going to see. But with him, dude, so one of the narratives that I saw was that he was the most athletic guard in the draft. Do you buy that? I, I didn't see – I saw like some explosion, but – for to get, for the Celtics to get at the 53rd pick what some people are calling the most explosive athlete in the draft I I just don't see that yeah I mean there's definitely some explosiveness there you can see it in his highlight packages and as I put in the start of the article I purposely avoided highlight plays because that skews your perception right when you see these wild dunks and you see these tra- these highlight packages that are chaining together again like social media these snapshots in a guy's career it's really easy to make him look like the next Vince Carter because he has that level of explosiveness. The reason I think he fell so far was because he's not a big man. So athleticism isn't going to carry him the same way it would a raw Robert, Robert Williams, you know, Robert Williams comes in with solid size, very raw, but super bouncy can protect the, he, JD Davison is not that he's a guard. He's in a guard's body. So while that athleticism is still beneficial, it doesn't give you that same, draft stock boost as it would if you were 6 10 6 11 7 foot you know what i mean there's just yeah. too many other limitations with him uh they alabama used him almost a 50 50 split between on ball and off ball uh as an off ball guy he was quite bent he was okay you know catching drives catch and shoot but you're if you're asking him to just be a catch and shoot and a catch and drive guy what good is that athleticism in the first place and i think this is the problem the ball handling uh struggles the limited processing speed, the limited um, basket like understanding of how to take guys off the dribble and how to use your body to create those lanes where you can explode, all of that negates from his explosive, his athleticism. Right, the only time you're really going to see the best version of JD Davison is in transition. Yeah, for sure. And, and you you just can't rely on that, especially in the NBA where teams are going to do everything they can to get back in front of you knowing that they can they can trap you as i said that you know they can build out to the ball get two guys back around about the same time as you one sends you left the other one rotates over anticipating you to come back across then all of a sudden you're back in trouble anyway so i think the athleticism's there but it's all that's there at the moment and i think Mm -hmm. that's why he fell so far got you got you so yeah i guess that's what i saw you know in transition he was very explosive um there were a couple dunks where he almost jumped from the dang free throw line But I think with his athleticism, it's not like functional athleticism. And I think the reason is because like his IQ needs to kind of get with that athleticism, basketball IQ, and also his, his skill set 
You know, I think his coach said he would be a much better player if his handle tightened up. Even his coach said that, like, he's a great passer. He's great vision, but oftentimes he can't make those passes because he doesn't have a good grip on the ball or, um, you know, just mishandling the ball, which doesn't bode well for what we just saw with the Celtics in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's a good point to transition into into our guy Jalen Brown, um, who, who also, also has a bad handle. Also has a bad handle, but that does not mean that we immediately trade Jalen Brown. And as I entered this uh, podcast studio, just so everybody knows out there, the title of this is "Do Not Trade Jalen," and I feel like we're probably both on that on that wavelength right now. For everybody out there, I think we have to start by acknowledging what the rumors are. So, Adam, do you want to uh, let everybody know what the discourse around Jalen Brown has been in case they've been hiding under a rock? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to label them rumors because there's been nothing of substance. I will say it's a discussion point amongst the media, and which has bled into the fan bases. Uh, you know, everybody's aware that Kyrie Irving's at an impasse with the Brooklyn Nets over his contract situation. Whether he's going to stay there or move on, nobody knows. Obviously, Celtics fans are kind of looking at this like, man, we dodged that one. You know, we got lucky there. But what's happening is because Kyrie's at this impasse, while well, now KD, who joined Brooklyn at the same time as Kyrie, those two teamed up to play together, it's kind of like, well, yo, if Kyrie goes, I don't really want to be here. And now everyone's like, oh, well, maybe KD requests out. Maybe KD decides he wants to go elsewhere. At which point, certain members of Celtics media, most recently uh, was Scal. Yes, on Sunday, Surprising. on NBA Talk Radio, was there like, yo, no team's got a better package than the Boston Celtics. And Scal's was, if I remember correctly, Jalen Brown, three first, and then three future first, and then two future pick swaps. And then you throw in Daniel Tots to make the money work. Um, that was Scal's kind of proposal and what's happening is now everybody's like well hey if you can get kevin durant for that package then you have to do it and i'm like no you don't have to do that that's ridiculous and i'll give my reasonings why in a moment but i will start with this i feel like a hypocrite and in a way i am being hypocritical so i'm going to address that before i get called out for not addressing that okay coming up to the trade deadline i was one of the most vocal people out there about trading Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons. And I was on that train for a long time because, you know, Brown at the time was struggling with his knees again. He had, No, his hamstring, sorry. Um, his handle wasn't there. He was turning the ball over. He And he improved dramatically as a play finisher throughout the rest of the season. We saw some uh, playmaking come from him. So my opinion of his impact has changed. But at the time, yes, I was there. Like, But there's also a, a completely different side to that coin, what made it more logical to trade for Ben Simmons that I'll get into a, into in a moment. What, what's your initial thoughts on everything right now with this Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant scenario? Yeah, I think we need to start by acknowledging that people are suggesting we trade Jalen in picks for a you know, top 15 all-time guy. So like, it's not like we're saying, oh, trade in the discourse, you're not saying trade him for Ben Simmons, to your point, or Bradley Beal, right? Bradley Beal was the hot name last summer. Should we, you know, team up Jason Tatum and Brad Beal? We're not saying that right now. I think everyone can acknowledge JB is at least on the same level as Beal now and his two-way ability probably puts him above Beal. Um, So, you know, people are saying that JB could be the centerpiece of a trade for a top 15 player of all time. So the framework of this deal historically sort of makes sense for both teams, 
But at the end of the day, you need to evaluate like what you're getting back and what you're risking losing. And is your return enough to guarantee you a championship? Because I think that is one of the big reasons why you make this deal is because you think Kevin Durant puts you in, you know, in, in this this past year's finals, if you switch out Kevin Durant and Jalen Brown, do the Celtics win that championship? I think you can make an argument that yes, they do. Right. But moving forward, it's not what just happened in the finals. It's what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Cause Jalen Brown, his contract is up at the end of the 2024 season. Kevin Durant, I believe um, is signed longer than that. You, you can double check that for me, Adam. So you're kind of weighing, Jalen Brown for two years versus Kevin Durant for whatever the length of his contract is. I, I want to say it's it's three or four years, but I might be wrong on that. Um, so I think the obvious answer is that trading Jalen for Kevin Durant does not guarantee you a championship. And I personally am somebody that would rather root for the homegrown talent. I know the, our last championship, we traded our homegrown talent in order to get Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Garnett and, um, and Ray Allen and, but it's different. Jalen Brown is not Al Jefferson. Jalen Brown is not Delonte West. Jalen Brown is not Gerald Green. Jalen Brown is JB. You know, he is this man. He is that man that showed up in game six. We had other guys that didn't show up in game six. Jalen Brown did show up in game six. I want to root for Jalen Brown for the remainder of his career, and I want him to stay in Boston. So Durant is tied up until the end of the 2025-26 season. Yeah, so you get two more years of Kevin Durant. So that's what you're really weighing here. Four years of Durant and Tatum or two years of Tatum and and Jalen Brown. Potentially two years. Yeah. So the one thing I want to point out is everybody, everybody was against paying Damian Lillard $50 at his age 35 season. This contract, you're paying Kevin Durant $53 million at his age 37 season. Do you know what I'm saying? Like saying that KD is going to be a top 15 guy in the league at 37 is, is presumptuous. You Especially know, with his had, Achilles injury this is history. It, yeah. yeah. This guy's had ACL, like ACL injuries and stuff, you know? So, and this is why when it was, it was what I said I'd get back to when I was talking about Ben Simmons versus Kevin Durant, because right now the Celtics are on a very specific timeline and their window of contention is quite big. You know, you've got Tatum and Brown who are 25 or younger. That gives you uh, roughly a seven year to eight year kind of championship window with those two guys as your lead stars. You move out of, Jalen Brown and bringing Kevin Durant. Well, in my opinion, you're shortening that window to a maximum of three years. So you lose five years worth of championship contention, which it might take until year three or four for this team to really figure it out in the finals or get back to the finals, you know, build up and then start winning their rings. So I I am a little bit concerned there. Whereas with Ben Simmons, he fit more in with that timeline. The championship contention window stayed open the same duration of time. Kevin Durant, it's very much a, hey, we need to win now. Now, what happens if Durant comes, you don't win at all? Because that's the common, like, that's usually what happens when teams make these type of trades. Usually when a team goes all in, on a superstar, it never really works out. And that's kind of like, if you look at things like, uh, you know, teams that have moved for Westbrook, the only Anthony Davis, yeah, he went to LA and won in 2020 in the bubble, but then, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last season. He's been injured for two years. He's played less than a hundred games. 
you know, the, and I could go through loads more James Harden to, to, to Brooklyn, James Harden to Philadelphia. You see these star deals all the time and it doesn't usually pay dividends for the team that gave up all of their draft stock and, you know, some of their like young core. So could Kevin Durant be the difference and help you win a championship? Yeah, definitely. Is it guaranteed? No. And now what happens if you don't win anything? Does JT stick around? Or does, or does he decide to go elsewhere because you show no loyalty to Jalen Brown? Now, if Jalen Brown, the, the flip side to that is Jalen Brown liked to tweet on social media, on Twitter on Sunday, saying that Boston Celtics fans consistently disrespect him. Mm-hmm. So how likely, how, how, how much is that going to play into his willingness to re-sign? And these are the questions you've got to ask. If you think that Jalen Brown is a flight risk, at the end of this current deal, then by all means go and get Durant because you, like you say, you're adding multiple years. If you think that Jalen Brown is going to be more than willing to re-sign, you know, he's happy with Udoka, he's happy with Tatum. He can see that the team are on the precipice of something great and he wants to re-sign. I don't see the reasoning behind bringing in Durant um, for Jalen. If you can find a way to do it and keep Jalen and JT, which is impossible, but if you could do that, fantastic. Uh, I'm... I'm just not there to think that Durant really pushes the needle too much further. He helps in the finals, but can you get to the finals with him? Because you lose so much defensively, so much athletically. Like Jalen can run that transition better than KD can. Sure, but you know, at the end of the day, you're bringing in one of the best shot makers of all time. So it's hard. Yeah, I mean, once again, to my first point, we're discussing Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant, right? This is This is a guaranteed top 15 all-time guy a guaranteed hall of fame guy we're not talking about ben simmons right now we're not talking about bradley beal we're talking about a guy that has been to the mountaintop even though he did it in golden state he's won two championships he looked lebron james eye to eye in a finals and outplayed him handedly so we have to we have to say everything that we're saying comes with that caveat we're talking about an all-time great player here with Jalen, like w- with the idea of him being a flight risk, I, I, I'm i a big karma guy, right? And I think that if we committed to Jalen and, uh, you know, came out and shot down these rumors, not as not only as an organization, but as like a Celtics nation on Twitter, if everybody just kind of banded together and just let Jalen Brown know that we want him here, which is kind of what I'm seeing on Twitter as I kind of just flip through things, then I... I kind of want to bet that Jalen's going to stay at the end of his next deal because he sees all the outpouring of support. But for whatever reason, man, there's enough people on Twitter that are anti JB where JB actually likes the tweet. As you said, he liked the tweet that said Jalen Brown is disrespected by Celtics fans, which is crazy to me because you would imagine Jalen Brown is going to transcend all the Twitter discourse, but clearly he's not. Right. He's looking at it. And and to me, as someone who's been a big JB guy, like I was always JB's more impactful than JT at certain points early in their career. I think that changed this year up until the finals. I thought JB was a better player in the finals, which which means something for sure. I just think like we have to be very careful the way that we talk about these guys, especially for the two of us on a podcast. Right. They might listen. JB might be listening right now. So like we we can't just put out these crazy ideas into the ether without actually having something to stand behind, right? Oh, Jalen Brown for X player. Think about like the way that Jalen Brown is now seeing that 
because he's seeing it on Twitter and we know that he's watching what's going on on Twitter. It's just really interesting on a human level. You know, started this conversation talking about you as a human being. We also have to think about these guys as human beings and how they feel and how they feel disrespected. And if we want Jalen Brown to stay in Boston, we should be showing him love for what he did this past season and what he did in the finals because he showed up in the finals, man. He obviously had some issues, but he was there. He was healthy all playoffs. He played through that initial hamstring injury. He's been huge in the community. He opened up the juice store in Seaport. Like he, He's been involved, and he's just a great guy to have in the organization and in the city of Boston. And I would hate to see Jalen Brown leave because of what he felt was the majority of Celtics fans being anti-Jalen Brown. Do you know what it is? I don't think it's the majority, but I think it's some of the loudest voices. Yes, for you know, sure. What he what he perceives to be a majority, which I, I don't... Yeah, you know, you've got Scal there that's not only an ex-Celtics player, but now does the playboy play. Talking about Jalen Brown should be traded for Kevin Durant. You've got it's Perkins. crazy. It's crazy that Scal was the one that said it. Yeah, like because you interact with this dude more than any of the people on social media ever will. Do you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure Perk said something similar. There's like, like I said, the loudest voices are always the ones that cut through the noise. And if that's what Jalen's hearing, you know he's gonna. It's fair for him to assume. Hey, well. How many people feel like this? I mean, I'm coming off the back of being the best player on a on a finals team. And now you want to use that to flip me. And you know, and I know that players are always like, oh, it's a business. The NBA is a business, and it is. But showing them that they're nothing more than a business asset is usually what gets them to move because they want to go somewhere where they feel appreciated. And this is why the other day I was tweeting out saying Celtics fans are fickle. Because that it does feel that way, you know, same as Grant Williams. When you look at Grant coming into the start of last season, I saw so many people like, if Grant Williams wants an extension, he needs to improve his three-point shot. He needs to prove he can guard on the perimeter. He needs to prove X, Y, and Z. Grant comes out, does everything that people are asking for and more, and then they were like, oh, well, yeah, but you don't want to pay him the extension, so you need to flip him. Like, where, where's the loyalty? To do, do you know how much work the, these guys would have had to put in to make that type of jump? season to season and i get it their athletes paid an astronomically large amount of money completely understand some people view the money and expect returns but at the end of the day they're paid that sort of money because of the sacrifices they had to make to get there they have to make while they're in the league and the fact that it's a short career their earning potential is limited to a 14 to 15 year span so they are paid more for being elite at something if you're elite if you're an elite stockbroker and you only had a 15-year career, you'd condense your earnings into that 15 years if you knew that was your time span. And then you'd be looking at similar salaries. If you're elite at anything, you expect to be paid that way. Now, the difference is in most careers, your earning potential spans 40 to 50 years, not 15. So you can stretch out those earnings over a larger period of time. So saying that, oh, these guys are meant to play like this because they're played ridiculous, paid ridiculous money. I get it. They live in a world that we can only imagine. But the sacrifices that they're making to then come online and see some people being like, yeah, you need to trade him for KD because KD's miles better. When you swept KD in the first round, mm-hmm. it it's kind of like, I can yeah. see where how he feels disrespected. Don't forget, these guys are 24, 25. They're not 
like they're adults, but they're young adults. Of course, they're going to be on social media. Of course, they want to know what people are saying about them. Didn't you at 24 and 25? Didn't you value people's opinion? It's not until I reached my thirties where I started thinking, man, I don't care what people think. Yeah, no, I mean, even now I'm 33 and I, I think I still struggle with that on to some degree. Um, but there's a reason why I started podcasting is because I try not to care what people think. And you and I have talked off air about just like not getting in the mud on Twitter and not going back and forth with people on Twitter. I almost never go back and forth with people on Twitter these days. I even yeah, saw I you tweeted. I saw you tweeted the other day that you're not going to go back and forth with people on Twitter anymore. I, and I, I went back and forth with someone the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't see that. follow up. That's amazing. Yeah, but I, I just think. With JB, I think we should just like kind of wrap up this JB conversation and we can transition to something else. I want J- Jalen Brown in Boston. I don't know how you feel. I don't know how Will feels, but I know how I feel. Jalen Brown, to me, he's been my favorite player since the day he joined the Celtics, and I want to continue to root for him throughout the remainder of his career, however long that career is. You know, he's got two more years on his deal. I want him in Boston for those two years, and then I want him to re-sign for a max contract at the end of those two years, because we forget Jalen Brown is not a max contract guy right now. He took below the max and in, in, in stayed in Boston. We got him on a great deal. Um, I just love Jalen Brown. I want to continue to see him development. And to me, the sweetest moment would be watching Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum hoist the, Lomb- uh, the, not the Lombardi trophy, the, um, the Larry O'Brien trophy up high, letting everybody know that they did it together and they didn't have to go recruit someone else to come play with them. It was just the two of them that did it. And that's kind of what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm completely down. I'm not saying that Jalen Brown's untradeable. And I know that sounds wild when I'm saying don't trade him for Kevin freaking Durant. But I just believe that we're witnessing a changing of the guard in the NBA at the moment. I believe that there's a lot of young, incredibly talented guys, Jalen Brown among that list. And if you was going to trade JB, it would have to be somebody that kept that championship contention window open. I just don't think that you're going to find people that many people that fit alongside Tatum so seamlessly. We've been waiting so long to see these two finally get to a point in their career where they're like, they, they play off of each other very well along as well as playing with it. You know what I mean? They, they use each other as gravity. And I think we've waited so long for them to figure that out to trade them, to trade one of them now would just be ludicrous. Um, they're coming off the end of the back of the finals. I am completely fine with running it back with JT and JB for the next eight, nine years and building around those guys. I love Kevin Durant. I love watching him play, but I'm not comfortable with the team, with the Celtics paying him 53 million at 37 years old. That's just, if you're not going to do it for Damian Lillard, who I get isn't on Kevin Durant's level, but he plays a position that allows you to keep Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. If you weren't going to do it for him, then you shouldn't really be comfortable doing it with, for Durant either, especially with his injury history. So I'll wrap it up there, say I'm happy to keep JB for for the entirety of his career. Same as JT. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which, that leads us then on to, I've seen a few people talking about, you know, some MLE kind of guys that, that they have interest in. And one name that keeps popping up everywhere, and I mean, I saw Forsberg included in a list I've seen, um, I think it was Sam Quinn from CBS included him in the list. I've seen multiple people include him, and that's Isaiah Hartenstein. Mm. And I find that I find that really peculiar because, like, this is a guy that you know started his career in Europe, worked his way into the G League, won a G League championship, made the jump to the NBA. First season in the NBA, got traded, 
then ended up in, in LA last year with the Clippers, played 68 games off the bench. He's not exactly somebody that you would consider championship rota- bench rotation material, but Everybody seems to think he's going to fit really well. I'm going to be honest. I haven't done the film work to have a genuine opinion on this. So anything I say is going to be based off box score stats. So I'm going to try and avoid speaking about his fit. But I just find that peculiar that, you know, he's coming like um, Keith Smith and Mark Steimer on Spotify Green Room on Sunday. And I saw somebody quote tweet like, like they must have pulled a snippet, recorded a snippet on their phone. And it was about Isaiah Hartenstein. And it's like, hey, would the Clippers be willing to pay him the taxpayer MLE? Well, if the Clippers are, there's going to be other teams out there that can pay the taxpayer MLE. And it seems as though, like, you know, this guy is a genuine seven-footer, can stretch the floor a little bit, can rebrand, his size allows him to protect the rim, and he's a super good high, Super high motor, too. So can does he make sense? Now, if you, if you don't feel like Daniel Tice is that guy for the Celtics next season... There's a potential that he does make sense, but first of all, first and foremost, you've got to move on from Daniel Toss. You can't be paying him eight million a year to not play. Yeah, I would. I would probably expect Tice to get moved in the in the off season. I think he made sense for this year's team, but moving forward, especially after what you saw him do in the playoffs, you know, he was good in round one, uh, but pretty much after round one, his his production dropped off significantly. And Hartenstein is, uh, do you have an age on him? I know he's pretty young, he's right? He's about 24, 25. Yeah. That yeah so if, if you can get a younger guy who does a lot of what Daniel Tice does and it also is a bigger body um, who wouldn't get pushed around by a Kavon Looney or Brooke Lopez, you know, someone that can and can fight in the post. I like Hartenstein from what I've seen. I, I'm, I've honestly only seen him play a handful of games and a handful Same, of yeah. minutes. But I, he he was someone that stood out to me where I was just like, oh, who's this guy? I was like, oh, he he works hard. He, he as you said, he sets good screens. He he's super high motor, rebounds really well. He's just a big body, live body, and I, I wouldn't mind having him. It's just an interesting guy to throw out there. Um, it reminds me, you know, when when these younger players, especially younger big men, once they once people start talking about him, it seems like everybody starts talking about him. It kind of rem- reminds me of like Omar uh, Omar Ashik back in the day. Yeah, where like, yeah, Ashik, where he was on the was he on the Bulls or something like that? And his Cavs one, I, I can't remember what team he was on at first, but eventually everyone was talking about him like he was going to be this huge steal in free agency, like pay him whatever he deserves in free agency. And he ended up like not really panning out, you know, the NBA changed right around that time, but it's more like a a big picture level of how everybody in the media, once they start talking about someone, then everybody starts talking about him. And then that person gets this reputation that maybe is not quite up to what their skill set is just because a few people mention him and then everyone starts talking about him. But Hartenstein's an interesting guy for sure. Um, I would, if, as long as we're not giving him, you know, a crap ton of money, I don't know that I want to use the the taxpayer MLE on him though. That's the problem, right? I mean, first of all, you were right. Um, Ashik played for the Bulls at the beginning, went to Houston, then the Pelicans, then ended his career back in Chicago. So you were right there. I, for some reason, I thought I saw him in the Cleveland jersey, but no, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to pay him, you know, the 6.2, 6.3, 6.4 taxpayer MLE either. I think that there's other positions that you could fill and get a better player there. But I do genuinely think that Daniel Tice doesn't fit the way this team plays. Like, you know, Daniel Tice needs 
more versatility in the pick and roll game and the Celtics like to run their ram screens that everything they do is very geared towards bully ball and rim pressure and Daniel Tice is more of a finesse dude so he just doesn't really fit and we saw him get exposed in the playoffs you can't have that sort of exp- um that sort of liability defensively and you, with Robert Williams, long-term injury struggles, Al Horford, another year older, bringing in a genuine backup big is quite high on my priority list, to be fair. Mm. The other guy I saw, and we'll end on this one because I found this interesting, and I have two different parts of my brain arguing with each other over whether it would be worth doing, was trying to convince Patty Mills to opt out of his player option and then reunite with Vidoka in Boston. So I like Patty Mills. I like. I think that he upgrades your playmaking. I think that he gives you some good floor spacing. But I think that Peyton Pritchard has proved that he deserves to continue developing. Yeah, Will's a bigger Patty Mills guy than I am. Um, obviously, he was great in international ball. Last year, he struggled in the playoffs. He was pretty much out of the rotation um, you know, for the Nets by the, by the end of everything. He, he was really struggling in the playoffs. Seth Curry took his minutes and took his spot. So I, I don't know that that's worth it. I think there are other guys out there like your your pod with Will the other day. All the guys that you mentioned on that pod are all more interesting to me than the two names that we've just kind of thrown out there. Um, like the Kuzmas of the world, the KCPs of the world. KCP is a guy that I absolutely love and I would love to see him in Boston. I think he's one of the best um, you know, off-ball screen navigators in the league. And I, I just really respect what he does on the defensive end. And I think KCP could have played in that finals and been in the Celtics rotation and been perfectly um, adept at every, everything that the Celtics would have needed him to do. And, he, and he's a pretty good shooter. Patty Mills, I, I'm just not a big believer in small guards. You know, and Patty Mills is a small guard who could get exposed on the defensive end. He doesn't have the dog in him on the defensive end that someone like Peyton Pritchard has, even though Pritchard was out of the rotation by the end of the playoffs. I just think Patty Mills is too limited in into what he does. But, you know, on, on the other end, as you're saying, you got two parts of your brain arguing. He is a sharpshooter and he's a specialized guy that has done it in on bigger stages than what Peyton Pritchard has done. So I could see him, you know, having moments in a Celtics uniform, but it's not going to be consistent moments, right? It's going to be like a game here or there where, where he might make a big impact with, you know, four or five threes off the bench. And they're very, very similar to what Eddie house did for the Celtics back in, you know, 2008. You're on mute right now. Is he worth the MLA? I would have to see a, you know, a list of, of guys that would be available with that. Um, if I'm, saying him or Hartenstein, if those are the two options that you're giving me right now, I'm, I'm probably going to take Patty Mills over Hartenstein because I haven't seen enough There's of that guy. Way more. Way more. <laughs> and we can get into them. Keith Smith, actually, to give him a bit of an early promo, Keith Smith will be dropping articles, um, according to his Twitter account, will be dropping articles on the MLE and TPE targets today, Monday, June 27. So I'm sure we'll have plenty of guys to talk about on wednesday cool now i'll be here for it man ah we're doing a free man wave i'm down i'm down I'm, yo I'm greg with the promises let's hold him to it y'all <laughs> um i see how we're all texting them for you y'all um okay so i'm gonna wrap it up i'm gonna say everybody if you've enjoyed this show please make sure to share it on social media you doing it means far more than us doing it i've actually stopped doing it as often because i want to see if any of you nice people will do it for me because it means more also, if you haven't left a review, please go over to your podcasting platform. 
whatever you listen to podcasts on if you can leave a review there that five star button's lovely write something nice in there we're going to enjoy that too make sure to follow greg over at mini minnow follow his band over at black sheep optimist is it optimist or optimists plural optimist black sheep optimists make sure to check them out on socials uh they're over on instagram as well and you're going to hear them on the way out but greg will fill you in more on that yeah, you're going to hear a song from my band down here in Austin, Texas. As Adam said, we are called Black Sheep Optimist. The song that you're going to hear, you hear it at the end of every episode. It's called D-Lo. Enjoy, everybody. Peace out. Peace.